KPBS On Demand is supported by UC San Diego Art Power is presenting Indian fusion band Red Bharat, mixing Indian bhangra rhythms, hip-hop, and funk music, March 23rd at the Epstein Family Amphitheater. Tickets and information about upcoming concerts and events at artpower.ucsd.edu. Good morning. I'm Eric Anderson in for Debbie Cruz. It's Tuesday, December 20th. Climate change is shrinking the water supply in the Colorado River. More on that next, but first, let's do the headlines. Online voting is underway on a tentative agreement between the University of California and 36,000 striking academic workers. It includes a pay raise over 50% in the next two and a half years, protocols for dealing with harassment and bullying by tenured professors, and protections for international students. But not all the rank-and-file union members support the deal. Some say it does not include pay raises equivalent to the student researchers or address the need for child care and affordable housing. Voting continues until Friday. The San Diego Blood Bank put out an urgent call for blood donations because the local supply has dropped dangerously low. To be eligible to donate blood, you have to be at least 17 years old, weigh at least 114 pounds, and be in general good health. The San Diego Blood Bank can arrange for a donation. New eviction cases are on the rise in San Diego County. Preliminary court filings for eviction proceedings reached a five-year high in October. The San Diego County Superior Court reports more than 1,000 new cases were filed that month. Most of the filings were for tenants who owed less than $25,000. Housing experts say the causes could include the expiration of the city of San Diego's no-fault eviction moratorium and a tight housing market that's driving rental prices up. Some cities in the county are currently working on strengthening protections from no-fault evictions. From KPBS, you're listening to San Diego News Now. Stay with me for more of the local news you need. KPBS On Demand is supported by UC San Diego Osher Lifelong Learning Institute, hosting an open house to learn about the upcoming classes and seminars, member benefits, and meet the volunteer leadership team, Saturday, March 30th. Registration at extendedstudies.ucsd.edu slash O-L-L-I. The Colorado River is in crisis. 40 million people depend on its water, and the supply is shrinking because of climate change. Policymakers met in Las Vegas this last week to discuss cutting back demand, but they didn't emerge with any new commitments. KUNC's Alex Hager was there. There's no shortage of tension in the Colorado River Basin. The cities and farms that rely on the river's water need to start using less. And those who decide how it gets divvied up are caught in a standoff. In a Las Vegas Casino Conference Center, that all went down in person. There's no substitute for you know being face-to-face. It, it's, it's a lot easier to talk, talk a little smack, call some people some names, you know, when, when you're not looking them in the eye. That's John Ensminger, head of the Southern Nevada Water Authority. Here at Caesars Palace, people from Wyoming to Mexico are gathered to get a sense of the river's future. And the word on everyone's lips is collaboration. Colorado's head river negotiator, Becky Mitchell, says there needs to be a collective solution to this collective problem. I think there is some heavy optimism that hopefully everyone will come to something that we can all agree on. 
but it is going to take mean real cuts to everyone. Agreement is easier said than done. Mitchell herself placed blame downstream. States along the river's top half, Colorado, Utah, Wyoming, and New Mexico, say their water supply is at the whims of rain and snow, while the lower half can rely on steady, legally required deliveries every year. So Mitchell says those lower states should be the first to make cutbacks. We all have to be able to sell this, and it is really hard to sell something when there are winners and losers. Meanwhile, the lower basin has its own big water demands in cities like Phoenix and Los Angeles, but also sprawling fields of crops. About 80% of the country's wintertime vegetables come from farms in the lower basin. Water managers say the next few weeks will be critical. They're trying to add their two cents before the federal government makes some potential changes to the river's current rulebook. Bill Hazenkamp is with the Metropolitan Water District of Southern California. We really are focusing on this 45 days, and then if we're not successful, then you can ask me where we're headed then, because that's something I don't even want to think about right now. But water managers will have to think about it, and soon. Elizabeth Kobley is a political science professor at the University of Nevada, Reno. We're dealing with trying to respond to crisis while also thinking about long-term sustainability planning for the basin. And to me, that is creating so many challenges. Kobali says there isn't much new clarity on where necessary cutbacks to water use will come from. Even though we agree, yeah, this is a problem and we need to do something about it and it's not getting better, um, we haven't yet agreed on who's really responsible for doing any of that yet. A longer-term plan could come by 2026, when the current rules for managing the river are set to expire. And while that process is just beginning, groups historically excluded from river management want their voices to be heard. We want to have true and meaningful consultation. We want to really have nation to nation, but it really doesn't exist. Sean Chapoose is chairman of the Ute Indian Tribe on the Uinta and Uray Reservation. He and many of the other 30 tribes in the basin say they want more out of states that promise them a seat at the table. It sounds good in rooms, but what happens on the ground, and for a person like me who's actually in that rumble, I always tell people, yeah, you're, 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 you're seeing a narrative that's not factual. And while that negotiating table is being set, the river itself is only getting drier, putting the pressure on everyone who relies on its water to adapt. In Las Vegas, I'm Alex Hager. This story is part of ongoing coverage of the Colorado River, produced by KUNC and supported by the Walton Family Foundation. A major San Diego nonprofit has been hit with a lawsuit alleging racism and gender discrimination. KPBS Metro reporter Andrew Bowen has more. The San Diego Workforce Partnership is a quasi-governmental nonprofit that administers workforce training and job placement programs. Tabitha Gaines is a former HR employee who is black. She says in her lawsuit she tried to flag potential discrimination taking place at the agency. She says CEO Peter Kallstrom retaliated with, quote, relentless micromanagement, taking away certain job duties and giving her no choice but to resign, which she did last June. The Workforce Partnership told KPBS it is aware of the complaint but cannot comment on its claims. Andrew Bowen, KPBS News. There's a current shortage of middle and low-income housing in San Diego, but the city's housing policies still earned its recognition from the state. KPBS reporter Jacob Ayer explains why San Diego was named a pro-housing city. 
The pro-housing designation is awarded to some California cities that have policies and practices to help remove barriers for housing production. San Diego Mayor Todd Gloria says the designation gives San Diego an edge when applying for housing, transportation and infrastructure programs from the state. It opens the door to state funding that we otherwise would not be able to have access to. So I believe that this will give us the dollars that will help us to address the infrastructure needs that this new housing requires. Uh, and this is really just a good day for our housing policies and encouragement to other cities to follow our lead. But the city is still well behind in building low and middle income housing units and homelessness continues to increase. Ricardo Flores is executive director of LISC San Diego. The nonprofit advocates for increased housing. Flores says San Diego's designation doesn't line up with the realities many are facing. A lot of folks out there do not feel that San Diego's pro-housing because their rents are high or they can't find another place to live or they may be a family that wants to be homeowners, but they cannot find a home at their price point. Jacob Ayer, KPBS News. Coming up, we revisit one of our favorite stories from 2022. Sit in on an SDSU class all about the late singer Selena. We'll have that story and more next, just after the break. KPBS On Demand is supported by the University of San Diego, offering professional and continuing education courses in the areas of business, education, healthcare, and engineering. For enrollment opportunities, visit pce.sandiego.edu. The VA Medical Center officially has a new name, honoring Army Captain Jennifer Moreno. She grew up in Logan Heights and graduated from San Diego High School before becoming a nurse in the Army. She was killed in Afghanistan in 2013 while helping wounded soldiers during a raid. VA Chief of Staff Tanya Bradshaw says Moreno's legacy lives on. Jenny cared about people. And that's why it's so fitting that this VA Medical Center bears her name. Because Jenny represents everything that we want to be at the VA. Earlier this year, President Joe Biden signed a law to change the name. It is the first VA facility in the country to bear the name of a female Latina veteran. A San Diego nonprofit that helps teenage girls of color explore their heritage with the use of drones has taken the program to Africa. KPBS reporter Claire Strong has the story. Fifteen teenage girls from Ghana are set to become fully-fledged drone pilots as part of a new initiative by San Diego-based Our Genetic Legacy. They'll be using their new expertise to help trace the transatlantic slave trade between the UK, Africa and US. In addition to discovering more about their own heritage, founder Shelley Baxter hopes it will lead to life-changing career opportunities for the girls. It's really exciting to be able to provide this opportunity to empower the girls and who they are culturally, but also to give them the skills and the resources to be able to be high-wage earners. Once captured, the drone images will be used in the first Black, Indigenous, People of Color Digital Museum. Claire Strong, KPBS News. Twenty-seven years after the death of Tejano singer Selena Perez, 
Her legacy has lived on through music. Earlier this year, KPBS education reporter M.G. Perez took us to a class at SDSU to tell us more about how Selena has impacted some very diverse younger generations. I heard a song on the radio and I really fell in love with the song Como La Flor. Georgette is a drag queen created by a young man born Jorge Noe Ledesma in a small town just north of Mexico City. Georgette sits at her kitchen table with a powder puff and makeup, preparing to become her alter ego, Selena, the Tejano superstar who died tragically but helped a confused 10-year-old Mexican boy live and find his true identity. I had a lot of bullying when I was a kid because of who I am. I feel great and I love what I do. Jorge immigrated to San Diego more than 20 years ago and has since settled into happiness and confidence he credits to Selena, her songs, and her spirit. She didn't speak Spanish so well when she was in the interview, but always you can see that she was giving her best. And this is my first time having an interview in English and I'm trying to give my best. So it's, we have something in common with that. The sounds of Selena are now part of a college curriculum. Professor Nathan Shea Rodriguez pitched the idea for a Selena class to the administration at San Diego State University pre-pandemic. It is now a permanent elective offered in the spring semester. Dr. Nate, as students call him, is a fan and fellow Texan who grew up with a heavy influence from the Tejano singer. He built the class syllabus with 16 weeks of learning modules that use Selena as a bridge to Latino culture, media representation, and personal identity. There are field trips for students, too. They get to go out into Mario Logan, and they get to see the Selena Mercado for Walk the Block. They get to go to Mujeres Brew House for the release of the beer. They get to go see drag shows, and they get to conduct an ethnography, write about it, take pictures, videos, sound. An ethnography is the study of people in their own environment, which includes the LGBTQ community. The next two weeks of class are focused on learning that goes boldly down the rainbow road. Selena is a huge inspiration to the queer community. Tons of drag queens will impersonate her. A lot of uh, queer people, such as myself, find meaning in her music. And so we're going to learn about how we can queer not just Selena's music, but the Latinx culture. The term pocha is an important vocabulary word featured in class discussions. A pocha is a person caught between two cultures, not completely able to speak Spanish and not completely comfortable in the English-speaking culture. That was Selena and Karina Bazarte is an SDSU senior who can relate. Karina's Mexican parents thought they helped her by taking her from the barrio and enrolling her in schools with mostly white students. I couldn't find myself, so I'm like, am I like the only one that looks different? Am I the only one that doesn't have blonde hair or, or blue eyes? So like, Selena actually helped me identify who I am now. Natalia Martinez is one of Karina's classmates. She was only three weeks old when Selena was killed. I never really got to have her present, but I had her music. And I think that's where I was able to create Selena in my head in the sense of, wow, this is like someone who I want to have as my role model. Which brings us back to Georgette and the little boy from a little Mexican town who used to dance around his living room 
imagining what he could become someday, listening to the music of Selena. The um, thing that I learned from her is to be always respectful, kind, and sweet. That's how I do every time I'm on stage. That's a legacy set to music that will never die. M.G. Perez, KPBS News. Selena and Latinx Media is once again among the course offerings at SDSU for the spring 2023. That's it for the podcast today. As always, you can find more San Diego news online at kpbs.org. I'm Eric Anderson. Thanks for listening and have a great day. KPBS On Demand is supported by the San Diego County Toyota Dealers, whose commitment to customers extends to giving back to the community and who are proud to support the City of San Diego lifeguards with their important role of keeping our beaches safe. Toyota, let's go places.